Hi, I want to welcome you to week five of our look through First and Second Samuel. This is day one of week five, and we're going to spend the next couple of days looking at Jonathan. This is our days to focus on Jonathan, one of those main characters in the book, especially of First Samuel. And we've talked about David being the man after God's own heart and Samuel, the man with an open heart. Jonathan is the man with a divided heart. If First Samuel were a Greek tragedy, Jonathan would be the Oedipus. If it were a circus, he'd be the sad-eyed clown. If it were a mystery book, he'd be the innocent victim. Jonathan had a difficult life. He does not see everything happen right in his life. Uh, in fact, if you look at Jonathan, he is one of those people who does everything right, but has so much of it turn out wrong. Saul got what he deserved, but Jonathan also got what Saul deserved. There's a lot of unfairness in Jonathan's life. If you've ever faced that in your life or in the life of somebody you love, his life is a great example to us of how God can work even in the midst of that kind of life. Why look at Jonathan? Unless you like stories that make you cry, why look at him? What can his life teach us? His life helps to put our lives into perspective. Maybe you've had a lot thrown at you that you just don't deserve. Most of us have. And maybe because of that, you're living with a heavy heart right now. Jonathan teaches us about what the disappointments of life do to us and about what our attitude can be in the midst of those disappointments of life. If I had to say the story of Jonathan's life in one word, it would be that word, disappointment. Disappointment. Appointments unkept, dreams unfulfilled, hopes undone. Disappointment. Let me just walk through and just today share with you the three major disappointments in Jonathan's life. I think a lot of us will relate to him because a lot of us have disappointments in life. A lot of these disappointments for Jonathan came at the areas of major opportunity in his life. But at those moments where it seemed like his life was almost ready to launch into some kind of great opportunity, all of a sudden a disappointment would happen. Uh, The first disappointment came with him as a warrior. In the midst of Jonathan's victory, he faced the disappointment of his father's pride, of Saul's pride. In chapter 13, verses 2 to 4, we read about Jonathan's victory, but I want you to notice who gets the credit for his victory. 1 Samuel 13, 3 to 4, Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. And then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, let the Hebrews hear. So all Israel heard the news, Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost. And now Israel has become a stench to the Philistines. And the people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. It wasn't Saul who attacked them. It was Jonathan, but Saul took the credit. Now, that would be enough when it comes to the victories that Jonathan had, but there's even more. Chapter 14 is a chapter that makes you hurt for Jonathan. If you read through 1 Samuel chapter 14, you'll find in verses 6 to 15 that he single-handedly defeats a whole garrison of Philistines. While everybody else is hiding, he defeats them all. And in verses 16 to 23 of that chapter, his single-handed action results in encouragement for a national, towards a national victory. So there's this cheering, there's this great celebration, you would think, of Jonathan as a hero, but absolutely not. In the midst of this, Saul makes a stupid demand upon the Israelites. Nobody should eat any honey, is this stupid demand. And Jonathan doesn't hear about this demand, and not having heard, he eats. Saul's demand was, if anybody does this, I'll put him to death right away. So Saul determines to kill his own son the one who just achieved this great victory because of the stupidity of his words. He was more prideful about keeping his word than about saving the life of his own son. 
And instead of celebrating Jonathan's victory in this, all of Israel is working to save his life. All of Israel is working to make sure that he is not killed. His father snatches joy of his greatest victory right away from him. He was a man who lived with disappointment. He lived with disappointment when it came to his victories. He lived with disappointment when it came to his friendships, to his love. Jonathan's friendship was disappointed by Saul's hatred. His friendship was with David. In 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 to 5, the Bible says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him, and he did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe that he was wearing, and he gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. So you see in these verses that they come into the same household, and David and Jonathan begin this deep friendship, this deep love with each other. They're as close as brothers. They're kindred spirits. They both enjoy a deep trust in the Lord and a willingness to risk their lives upon that trust. And Jonathan could immediately sense that in David. It's the kind of friendship that you only find once in a lifetime. But listen to what happens in chapter 19, verses 1 to 7. Remember, Saul is in living during this time in great jealousy of David. Chapter 19, verse 1, Saul told his son Jonathan and all his attendants to kill David. But Jonathan was very fond of David and warned him, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. Jonathan finds himself a protector rather than a friend in this moment. And if you want to read 1 Samuel chapter 20, you can read of their painful parting. The opportunity for their friendship is ruined by Saul's jealous hatred. He lived with disappointment in his life. A third major disappointment is his future. Jonathan's future is disappointed by Saul's failure. And what should have been Jonathan's future? Well, he's the firstborn son of a king. He should have been the second king of Israel. But Saul's sinful pride ripped that opportunity from his son. We've studied this a couple of weeks ago in chapters 13 to 14, where his sinful pride caused Samuel to have to come to Saul and say, the kingdom is being ripped from you. It will not go on from generation to generation. Now, that would have been terrible enough for him just not to be king. But that only begins the tragedy of how Saul tore this future from his son. In chapter 28, verses 16 to 19, you see that Saul's sin would lead to his defeat in battle. In chapter 31, verses 1 to 2, you see that Jonathan was caught up in this defeat. And as a result of his father's failure, he lost his life. The man who did everything right in life, it all seemed to turn out wrong. In chapter 31, verse 1, now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them, and many fell slain on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines pressed hard after Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malchishua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. And eventually, Saul's going to fall on his sword. He's going to take his own life this day. Now, this is not an inspiring story, is it? But I tell this story because so many of us, so many of you listening right now can relate to this story. Feel that it's your story. Your life has been filled with disappointment. Your life is more like Jonathan than like David, if you're honest. Other people's choices 
have brought deep disappointment into your life. And tomorrow we're going to talk about how you can have faith even in the midst of those disappointments, how you can have heroic faith even in the midst of those disappointments. But right now, before getting there too fast, I want to invite you to take those disappointments and give them to God, realizing that this world is not all there is. This life is filled with disappointments. Even the most beautiful, perfect seeming of life has many disappointments in it because this world is a fallen world. We're headed for a place where there's no more pain, no more disappointment. That's called heaven. But right now, you have disappointments. And these disappointments, they may affect the rest of your life, but they do not have to control the rest of your life. They don't have to be the story of your life. We're going to find out tomorrow that Jonathan, in the end, The disappointments are not the story of his life. They are occurrences in his life. They're not the story of his life. Make God the story of your life. Make your love for him the story of your life, not those disappointments. And that begins by taking those disappointments and giving them to him. Let's do that in prayer right now. Take a moment to say, Jesus, you know. You know the disappointments in relationships. You know how things didn't work out the way I wanted them to. You know what was done to me. You know what I was not allowed to do. One more time, Lord, or maybe for the first time, I bring these disappointments and I give them to you because I realize you understand disappointment. I realize you can work in my life even in the midst of those disappointments. And I pray that even though these things have happened to me and they're a part of my life, that they would not control my life. I want my love for you to be the story of my life. So I ask for this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 